Where are we? We're at uh, Rockaway Park in Temple Cloud, just south of Bristol, about 10 miles south of Bristol, off, just off the 376 bus. And what's your name? My name's Mark. Um, why is it called Rockaway, Mark? Has it always been called Rockaway? No, it was called... So when I first came here, it was called Quarry Garage, uh, but the place next door is called Quarry Bungalow, and there's a qu- another Quarry Garage, funny enough. And we built a house out of what we converted a shed into a house, and we had to give it a name, and I thought about calling it La Pedrera to represent a quarry in Spain or something, and then I thought that's pre- pretentious nonsense. And no one's gonna. And I have to spell it to everyone that ever asks. So I thought. So between me and my daughter, we thought let's call it Rockaway, and it sort of references, you know, the Ramones and where Patty Smith lives and things that matter to us. So, yeah, and it's stuck and it's working well. <laughs> and this is uh, an old quarry. Yeah, it's an old. It was a disused quarry, and then it, then it would have been used as a. So it was a quarry for God knows how long. We've got a photo of some guys digging stone here in the just before the Second World War. And then it would have become a tip after that. And then and then it was a scrapyard for many years. I, and I, I purchased it as a scrapyard in 2001. And I was recommended to come and see you because you're always happy, apparently. This interview's about happiness. I always tell people I've got wind. You know, I'm, I'm always smiling, but I always t- if anyone says, oh, you're always fucking smiling, I always say, yeah, I've got wind. I've got bad wind. Burp me. <laughs> yeah, but you've got to be happy on you. have got plenty of things, plenty of things to be unhappy about, but like, I'd rather concentrate on the ones that make me smile. Well, what did you do in early life? Uh, I was... We moved about a bit when I was a youngster, and then when I was, as soon as I was, we ended up living. I was born in Manchester, we moved to Canada when we were kids, and then we came back, and we ended up living in Somerset of all places. And I hated it, and I thought, what a fucking, what is this place? You know, we'd been in Manchester, then we'd been in Toronto, and now we're in Yeovil. You know, I wasn't impressed at all. And so, as soon as I was old enough, I moved to London, and I was squatting and built, making housing co-ops and stuff like that. And I've had a sort of bit of a passion about housing all my life because I never thought I'd be in a position where I could afford to buy a house and things. So I was became obsessed with housing, property, watching property, just learning about land and property and stuff, and, and trying to find different ways of doing things. I was like I, I, obsessive about it for many, many years. I mean, probably still am by anyone else's reckoning, um, but. Yeah, I just, I, I love the idea of putting roofs over heads and, uh, you know, I can't understand why it's so fucking difficult and why, why they have to make such a big deal about it, such a fundamental human need. Why has it got to cost 400000 500000 It's just ludicrous. And then you're making some leaky, drafty fucking thing that doesn't serve anybody's purposes, got no community, got nothing. What? what is all this about you know and you know clearly it's all about loads of money and everything like that but what what are you going to do with that you know yeah it's it's all a mystery and it always has been a mystery to me but i'm also like extremely hard working so i've sort of you know i've always done all right and i i came here because i had a business breaking vans uh i lived in a caravan and i took transit vans apart and sold spares for them and as the years went by, this business got bigger because I'm a hard-working lunatic. The business got bigger and bigger, and I ended up with hundreds of vans. And I was renting a lot of space in Bristol. I was paying a thousand pound a week in rent, 
Uh, I've got about 10 guys working. And this was the first place I ever saw that was for sale as a scrapyard. So, and so I thought, Good. <laughs> We're having an interview on it. <laughs> yeah, now you're in it. Like the church. Yeah, it's doing well. It's doing well. It had a, we had um, a wedding in it yesterday. Brilliant. Yeah. Great. <laughs> There's a gig tomorrow night if you want to pop round. Oh, what time? From four to eleven. Oh. Look, you're on the podcast now. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you're a bloody star. And <laughs> Hello. All right, mate. You're not on the podcast because you didn't talk back. So have you always been a scrappy? No, not at all. I, I, it's just I, I was in a band, and uh, you always had a van when you're in a band, and the van, and the van always breaks down. So you learn how to mend vans, and and then when I moved out of London and I was like traveling, you needed a van to carry your teepee poles or you needed a van. You always had a van and the van was always breaking down. So I, you know, I knew how to mend vans and, and then I started taking them apart and for my own use. And then I started taking them apart and selling them, selling parts and repairing vans. And I just, I've been like twinned with vans most of my life, but I can't stand the fucking sight of them anymore, I must admit. <laughs> but um, yeah, I ended up with this massive business, breaking vans, and, and so we, we bought the quarry here, and that was, I mean, all of it's been a massive struggle because we've never had any money, even like with massive business and everything was always in masses of debt because it's just the nature of the way things are, you know, you just if you're not born with money, it's a struggle to get any. And I wasn't born with money, so yeah, it was, I bought this on a private mortgage. I gave the bloke 30 grand down and we worked out a really complicated way. I paid him back over three years, a ridiculous amounts of a week. But um, we did it and we ended up with the yard. And then after about 15 years of doing that, I was uh, we started building a house in the property next door. Or we started, I mean, none of this is straightforward. It's all like, it was a shed and I bought the shed and I bought the shed on the drip as well and I gave him so much down and so much a week and and I said do you mind if I try and turn it into a house and he said do what you like you know as long as you pay me the money so I was like I paid him the money I turned I, I started turning it into a house I had a lot of arguments with the council and the authorities and I mean I've always had a lot of arguments with the council and the authorities so it was pretty much like standard but this was quite important because you know but we were building a house and we and we and I split up with my kid's mom and I came here and she kept our house and I came in with my daughter and we started started building this house and running the business and we got too too involved in the house and lost interest in the business and the business started going downhill and one thing led to another and eventually the business went bankrupt and it was like really terrible and we had a half finished completely illegal house and uh and a business that had gone bankrupt that was next door and it was just like, what on earth are we gonna do? You know, how are we ever gonna get out of this fucking mess? I was telling somebody earlier about it. I said, I used to trade on eBay. So we had like a 5,000 uh, positive feedbacks on eBay. We got two negative reviews and got cut off and it bankrupted us because we're in the middle of nowhere. And uh, you know, and it was literally, it was just two people saying that their delivery arrived late and giving us three stars instead of five stars. This is the frailty of the world that, 
you had a huge successful business with you know 10 people working for you I mean we, we never had any money but no one ever does and but it all fell apart because somebody gave you three stars instead of five stars on an eBay rating and we lost our ability to sell anything we were in the middle of fucking nowhere and had no opportunity to sell anything uh, and we just come in and stare at each other and think what are we going to do you know we were proper fucked so how would you describe what this is now how did this come about well somewhere in the midst of all this I started thinking you know let's go back to where we started you know what did we care about initially and what, what I cared about initially was like art and music and you know politics and stuff that I was really interested in you know and I'd put all that to one side to some degree so that I could go and make some money so that I could buy somewhere to live and then that had morphed into this you know big business and one thing or another and then then I virtually lost it all again and we did lose it we you know we, we lost the business and but we managed to save the yard because a friend of mine lent me 50 grand and that bought the bank off and uh, yeah, it was it was terrible times. But they basically they wanted to take my my ex partner's house off her because it was a tangible asset, and Rockaway wasn't a tangible asset. It was just a pile of old shite in an old disused quarry that could, for all you know, have four thousand bodies underneath you. You know, so they didn't want to take any risk on the value of this at all. And so they tried to take her house, and I thought, it's not her fault I've gone bankrupt, you know what I mean? It's the fellow that left the three-star review, but it's not Claire's fault. And um, so we somehow managed to borrow. Hiya, honey! <laughs> and uh, it's great, isn't it? Because people just keep walking past and saying, I'm sorry, you couldn't be happier, really. That's why I'm happy. And, um, yeah, and... and uh, can't remember where we got to but one way or another um i started thinking let's do the things that re we really care about which is you know this art and music and stuff and i thought if only we could find a way of hanging on to the place and we maybe we could rent out a little tiny unit and a little studio and then see if we can make some more studios but we had like nothing to work with it's hard to imagine now because it it just looks so f rich and varied and full of life how would you describe how it looks do you have a name to describe it? To no, people? it's it's it, it's entirely impossible. I was, I was thinking about it. I was trying to get to sleep last night, and everything. To, to to somebody who's never been here, it makes no sense whatsoever. And, and if you try and describe it to them, they just think you're mad. And it just because you can't say, oh, it's like such and such, or it's like so and so, or you know, have you been to so and so? It's like that because it's fucking not. It's not like anywhere you've been, and. You know, it's got similarities to, to festival sites or to, you know, squats in Europe or it's got or to art spaces in America. or It's got similarities to lots of places, but it's a melting pot of those things. And it's not... So there's people, there's carpenters and woodworkers and screen printers and painters and graffiti artists and there's all, all many, manner of people are beavering away and working here. But they're, you know, they're, they're quite independent and then occasionally we'll come together and do pro do projects we'll work with each other on particular projects or whatever we we put on gigs we have we, last night we had a wedding uh we, we do any sort of anything that sort of appeals to us and we don't do anything that doesn't appeal to us and it looks like you've got a great sense of humor it's very visual here you've used yeah, lots it's of different jokes i mean it's just yeah it's, i like i like it to amuse the kids i don't know you know that's, that's, and i don't mind 
whether the kids are 15, 5 or 60, but I like amusing the kids and I like them going like, what the fuck, how did that get up there, you know? And putting stupid things in stupid places and then everyone's like, how did it get there? How did how did you get that up there? How, why is that up there? What What's the point of this, you know? So when you come up the hill here, what's the first thing that greets you? There's a, ta- a London, old London taxi that says, welcome home on it, which... Uh, we were at Glastonbury Festival this year, and one of the one of the people that lives here runs Shangri-La area, and she rang and said, do you, "Do you want this taxi?" You know, and I, I had a taxi there before, but the taxi that was there before said a cab on it because it used to say cab, and it took took about five years, but eventually somebody thought to put the A in front of the cab, so they said a cab, <laughs> and it was funny because it was so obvious. And yet no one ever did it. And I just said, how come no one's ever turned that into a cab? And eventually somebody did. But then, I don't, you know, that was there for a year or two. And I never really, I never really liked it particularly. I, I just like it's not as welcoming as welcome home. So she gave us the one that said welcome home on it, which was in much better condition. Although it's fucked, obviously. Um, and I, I took out the a cab one, which was by now totally destroyed and weighed it in and put, put welcome home there instead. So during your life and doing all the different things you've done, at what point have you been happiest? Would you say? Oh, I'm happiest now. Yeah, it's like with, but without a shadow of a doubt. You know, when I was like 50, I think. I mean, I played in a band, and we stopped. I stopped playing in a band when I was 23. I made one album, and I stopped playing in a band when I was 23 or 24. I went to Stonehenge Festival. I never went back home again. I went to Stonehenge when I was a kid, but I never. I never returned to that world and I never I lost all interest in it and everything. And 28 years later when I was 50 um, it was my 50th birthday and the woman I was going out with at the time thought she'd make a, a, a special secret gig where people would play my songs and stuff like that and to show me how you know what I meant to people or whatever and I got wind of it and I thought, do you know what, I, I want to fucking do this myself. I've, you know, I've never crossed my mind to do it in the 28 years that have gone by. I, I didn't have the slightest interest in it. And I thought, you know, if anyone's going to sing these songs, I want to sing these songs. And um, What was the name of the band? The Mob. And, uh, yeah, and we're like really little-known, tiny little anarcho band that, you know, hardly anybody would recognise anywhere. But the funny thing was, which I never realised because I hadn't stayed in touch with that world, was that we'd had a big influence on a lot of people, but, you know, not in the way that, you know, a big band has, but in a way that really influences people, you know, you're most influenced by the, the little band that you, that's your band, you know, the one you care about. And, and all that. so it turned out that we had all these friends all over the world who we didn't know about, and... So when I got in tons and tons of trouble with the house and everything, so oh yeah, I forgot. So so we so we did this gig. It went really well, and then we ended up doing. Um, and I hadn't even seen the guys in the band for twenty odd years and things, but we ended up doing tours all over like the states and um, all over Europe and what have you. And uh, just this whole world opened up that I had no idea about, and I'd been really really depressed up until this point, thinking, is this you know is this everything i'm 50 years old is this my life is this all there is and i was really like really really i didn't get on well with my ex and i was having a horrible time and i hated it and i was was driving here every day from chippenham and it took me an hour to get here and an hour to get home and i was just like what on earth are you fucking doing this for you know why 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 and you'd get home and no one wanted to talk to you and it was just absolute shite 
but you know as much as anything you can turn it around you know <laughs> i'm 61 now and i've never been happier you know it's like and 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 I, and I get on really well with my ex and i get on really well with my current wife and partner so what was the answer mark what the answer you're doing what you care about doing what you believe in doing you know being true to yourself and i think maybe i lost track of who i was and what i was good at and what you know what i'm good at is inspiring other people to be good at being themselves you know i'm good at bringing the best out in people i'm good at helping them fly and i'll encourage them and push them and you know and i think i get tons of pleasure out of it in the same way i used to get pleasure out of sitting around with old blokes telling me all their tales and you know how things aren't so insurmountable as you think they are and actually you can do it you know just fucking do it just fucking do it don't talk about it do it eat the fucking frog you know if you <laughs> if you've got do you know this book the eat the frog well it's it's a simple concept if you've got 20 things to do today and one of them's eat a frog eat the fucking frog <laughs> eat the frog first and then everything else is a piece of piss and you know you don't need to read the book don't bother buying it there's no need the the gist of it is if you've got 20 things to do today and one of them is eat a frog eat the fucking frog don't think about it all day don't think about it for the rest of eternity deal with it now right now pick the phone i'll do it to people all the time so pick your phone up and ring them now and they're like, oh, 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 oh. But you know it's easy you press the button you're now dealing with your issue <laughs> well it seems like this is attracting good people yeah yeah we're, I mean, we we don't get masses of people through here but we get lots lots and we get really good quality of people i feel that you know we get people that and I don't mean that in any derogatory term toward anybody else, but I think the people that come here come full of ideas, full of enthusiasm. If they don't come full of enthusiasm, they leave full of enthusiasm, you know? But one way or another, this is what I was thinking last night, you either, if you haven't been here, it's hopeless trying to describe it, but if you have been here, then you're gonna spend the rest of time telling everybody about it because it will move you and it will, you, you know, it will bring things out in you that you might not know were there, you know? But would you call it a community as well? It's sort of a community, but it's not It's not as much of a community as I'd like it to be. But then a lot of that's probably because I'm a bossy fucker who tells people what to do. But then that's also part of why it works. I've been in, I've been in communities, I've been in cooperatives. I've done all sorts of things, but I think even in the best anarchist cooperative ever invented you still if if you're sailing a ship across the atlantic you still want somebody at the wheel because otherwise it is gonna go wrong and you know that doesn't necessarily mean that you're at the wheel and you don't do any shitty jobs you you know i'm also pump as you're well aware i've been pumping the sewage here all fucking day you know i'm not frightened of doing the shitty jobs i don't want to pick the best jobs for me and leave the shit for other people but you, I think in any community, you know, someone has to be driving the ship, or at least sort of hoping, pushing it in a direction. And and, but yeah, it's never as community as as I'd like it to be. But can you say what its purpose is in that case? Are you renting out homes and workspaces? Yeah, I rent out homes and workspaces, and as a result, you know, I'm I'm not in the same sort of financial trouble that I have been most of my life. I still owe the guy fifty grand because I haven't paid him back, and um, but. I'm comfortable and and you know and I'm very happy with where I am and the money that I get I'm I'm all the time you know putting back into making more of it this is what you know I'm not gonna 
I've got no desires to have a new Range Rover or anything like that. I don't give a monkey's about it. I've I, I bought and sold cars and vans all my life. I don't. I'm not impressed by fucking nonsense. It's just a shiny piece of shit. It's just to get me to Tesco's and back. I do not care about it. And I spent a whole lot of my life caring about this sort of thing because I had to. But I don't care about it. And so, yeah, what I do care about is building things and making things and making making cheap, affordable spaces for people to be creative and to live. And, you know, nothing here is expensive. Nobody ever complains about the cost of their unit, you know. Like, no, you'll never hear that from anyone here because everybody knows that it's dirt cheap and supportive and what have you. And, um, yeah, and then I've got my church project, which is... Do you want me to spew forth Please that? do, explain that. Alright, so one of the buildings here, this is my current thing, so I'm, and I'm, I'm welcome the opportunity to talk about it. So one of the buildings here is a, is a it's called a Quonset steel, uh, American steel building. It's curved, sort of defies description really, but it looks a bit like, uh, what does it look like, a pig arc or something like that? You know, it's, but it's big, it's, it's eight metres across and ten metres long. And uh, when I first put it up, I had a visit from the council rating authority, the business rates department of the council, and they said, uh, you're going to have to pay business rates on this building as, as it's an industrial unit. And at this, at this time, is that going to drive you mad? That It's okay. It's a I, shame. Yeah, it's the sound of Rockaway. It's somebody's always grinding or cutting stone or building or welding. Anyway, it stopped. So he, um, where was I? It'll come to me. Have a cup of tea while you're waiting. Um, was it about getting permission to put it up? Yeah, it wasn't about the permission to put it up because I didn't bother getting permission to put it up. I'd already put it up. <laughs> so, yeah, you somebody came to see you. Yeah, the people that came to see me were the business rates department. So they, you have to pay them on if you have a, if you have premises, you have to pay like you do in a house. You pay rates. If it's a business, you pay business rates. And they said this building's subject to business rates. I said no, it's a church. And because the only thing we'd done at it at that point was we'd had one wedding. We'd had a wedding in the building. And that was the only thing we'd used it for because it was unfinished. It's still unfinished. So I said, it's, it's a church. It's not a build, It's not a business. It's a church. Churches don't pay. I, I assume churches don't pay business rates. Churches don't pay for anything. They, they tend to get other people to pay for things, you know. And, and, and I thought, it was like, oh, right. So this is the case. So anyway they went off and then they came back and they said you, know, you can't have a church because you haven't got <laughs> you haven't got you need to have a recognized religion you can't have a church unless you have a recognized religion so i thought all right so what's that entail i mean like I, this is all like a red rag to a bull you know what i mean if you sort of like <laughs> you you want to provoke me then i don't mind i'm all up for it and so I thought, so what does that entail? What, what do I need to be a church? What do I need to be a religion? So I looked it up. The first thing I come across on Google, it said you need 60,000 people. So this, it turns out this isn't true. It doesn't make any difference. It makes for a good story. Nothing in religion's true anyway. It's all just made up. So they, I thought, well, that's perfect for my religion. It's all, it's all nonsense. It's all made up. I need 60,000 people. How about if I get 60,000 people and I asked them to give me £10 each to join this church. One-off fee, there's no, you know, you haven't got to pay every week. I'm not going to send a plate round or anything like that. But if you give me £10 to join the church, I'll rustle, that will, and I get 60,000 people to join, 
a six hundred thousand pounds. I'm not well. I'm now in the business. I, you know, I've been quite good at business in my life. I've been quite shit at it too. But I've, you know, it doesn't take me long to work something out. So I can rustle up six hundred thousand pounds. I can build a really, really beautiful church, and it will be a monument to our people, and it will be somewhere that people can come and they can engage with it. And I started thinking, I like this idea, you know. And if I sell, and then I thought, right, and if I get everybody a T-shirt that says Chapel of Unrest at Rockaway Park, and I and I get twenty pound off each of them, including the membership and the T-shirt, I've then raised one point two million. Now I'm I'm of the belief that people aren't hopeless. So I, I like the idea that just a measly £10 note can make a massive difference. And I don't, you know, and so I started thinking, we know some incredibly creative people. We know some fantastic blacksmiths. We know some fantastic mosaic artists. We know stained glass artists. We know metal workers, woodworkers. We can make a beautiful church, and it doesn't have to have anything to do with religion. This is it is a religion, obviously, for the council's purposes. But you know, this is I've long since lost interest in what the council had to say about it. Anyway, I've now carried away with the idea of building a church because we need a church because it's important for us as a people to have a place that recognizes. And I started thinking. So the last few years, we've 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 had a hard time. You know, we've and um, we've. It's been good being here because we're outdoors and the wind blows through. So I never felt too much at risk from COVID, although, you know, I, I certainly wasn't denying it or anything, but I felt that we were a good place for people to meet up because they could sit outside and the wind's blowing. And I thought the wind's blowing through this church because we've never finished it. We never finished the front frontage and we've never finished the rear. And, and this has been really convenient because now we're in a pandemic it's a safe space, it's a safe haven, the wind blows through, you can still sit in there, you can still communicate with people, we can still go forward as as a people, whatever that might mean, I don't know whether we're punks or bikers or skinheads or hippies or freaks or weirdos or anarchists, whatever it is we are, but we, we, we're, we're sort of in opposition to the status quo, you know, we, we, we're not really happy with the way things are going, and we, we've been saying this for some time now, you know, like you, you, we think you're barking up the wrong tree, and we, you haven't really convinced us otherwise. So this, anyway, I'm digressing a bit, but then the need for the need for the church just became more and more and more apparent. And the more I, the more I started thinking about it, I said, well, this is typical churchly behaviour as well. You know, poor people give me ten pounds, I spend it on gold. We make a beautiful place. That's you know, this is what churches have always done. And I started ridiculing it and laughing about it, thinking it's hysterical. And then my daughter, who's very clever, <laughs> said, "You know, you want to stop ridiculing religion so much, Dad. You know, because you're actually quite a spiritual bloke, and maybe you should acknowledge the spirituality." So I started welling up a bit, but. So then I think, I think she she says I've got I've got this book about science and belief and it and it's like shall I lend it you? So, so I read this book, and and there was basically seven tenets in this book, which most of which I'll forget, but the ones that stuck in my mind were people need places to come together and sing. They need they need to be able to come together as people and sing together because it's actually quite uplifting. This harks back to the band, things like that. People 
need places where they commune can commune with things greater than themselves you know sort of like something like nature or whatever you know that they can feel and this is quite a natural environment despite how totally unnatural it is it's nestled in quite natural surroundings and and it somehow feels natural to us anyway you know what i mean it feels like a natural because it's a place where we're naturally comfortable so anyway that and the other thing was that people needed places of pilgrimage and the pilgrimage was really quite important in human development and what have you. And that, you know, it was often frowned upon through history and everything. People didn't really like you going on pilgrimages because you'd tend to meet up with other like-minded people and fornicate and take drugs and get pissed and come up with revolutionary ideas and be a fucking nuisance. And that wasn't really in the interests of the status quo, so they were sort of not really fond of pilgrimages. But there is actually quite a big human need for pilgrimage. So, armed with all this information from the book that Rosie recommended, I, was, I, I just the more I thought about it, I was just going, we really need this church, you know what I mean? We really, really actually need a fucking church, you know? And I started asking people, what are you doing here? Do you know? And they said, well, I was at so-and-so's place, and they suggested I call in here, and I'm on my way to Glastonbury, so I thought, well, I'll call in at Rockaway, because somebody told me it was cool, and blah, blah, blah. So, so you're on a pilgrimage, are you? You know, and said, well, yeah, I'm on a pilgrimage, yeah. And, and then this woman said to me one day, she'd come all the way from Scotland, and I, I started spouting on about the church and things, and she said, well, funny you should mention it, she said, because when I got out of the car, the first thing I did was go and sit in the church and just have a couple of minutes on my own and all that. And I started, this bloody church is, you know, it started off as a stupid joke, it started off with me just ridiculing the council over the business rates, but it's actually turned into something really quite important, and I've, I think it's going to end up sort of defining me in the long run because it'll end up being like this stupid idea that's going to get you, you know, you'll end up quite well known over it, you know, and it's only costing anyone a tenner, and people quite like the idea of adding a tenner towards some mischief making, you know, or whatever, or whatever it is that we do that uplifts other people. What's the name of a church? The Chapel of Unrest. And so, what else? Somebody else had written in your book, The uh, Congregation the, of... Ah, yeah, well, so the fa yeah, so I've been, <laughs> I've been telling this story to, to, to people for about a year, and they kept saying, here's a tenner, here's a tenner. I said, I don't want a tenner yet, I'm not ready. I've, 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 I haven't got the infrastructure. I'm not ready to deal with it. And I know it's going to be a big thing. I know it's going to be a pain in the ass because someone's going to get wind of it and the TV will show up and they'll say this lunatic's building a church and and then I'll be all over the fucking news and and, and more tenors will appear and I'm, I'm sort of aware that this is very likely to happen so I thought I'm not ready for it don't give me any tenors yet you know I've still got things to do and uh, eventually we, we, we took this caravan the caravan we sat in we took it to Glastonbury to sort of sh Glastonbury Festival to to try and represent what it is we do here and um, uh, I was telling this guy who came in about the, the church of the chapel of unrest and I had this idea blah 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 and he said here take a tenner and I said I'm not ready for a tenner I don't want your tenner like I've been saying to everybody else and then he said no take it and I so I took his tenner and and then his wife said me too and she gave me a tenner too so, and I, so then I got this big book out of this, like a, a massive church book that my partner had uh, got off a friend of ours, funny enough, the same friend that lent me the 50 grand to get out of trouble. He, he's a 
he does house clearances and this book was in his stuff and Marta said can I have that book and I said oh I don't have the fucking book you know we've got enough shit without having this it's a huge book and uh, she said no it might come in handy or something like that so so when I came up with the church idea she said well take the book you've got a book you know so I took the book to Glastonbury just thinking maybe maybe I'll start this off and so I produced the book when the guy gave me the tenor I gave him the book and the first thing he wrote in it was like uh, I look forward to so he's the first entry in it and he says uh, I look forward to communing with the congregation of agitation and <laughs> it's just like there's our hook line like straight away so it's the chapel of unrest at Rockaway the congregation of agitation and uh, you know it's a winner and it's a tenor <laughs> and you can PayPal us that or whatever you like send us it in an envelope do what you like um, and we're writing down everybody's email address and we're write, writing down everybody's name and then we'll, we'll have updates about how we're getting on I've, I've already been asking people to come and quote not so much quote but you know to get involved in the construction of the windows because the windows are all going to be louvered and stained glass and the, the louvers are to represent the wind still being able to blow through and then there's going to be like integrated curtains and things so that we can at the sort of flick of a fingers we can turn it into us into a theatre or a studio um, to do cinema in or to show show films and and then there's all this like elephant rocket combo fountain situation that's going on out here which is all part of the grounds of the church as I, I mean so what does this all represent mark i mean do I you have, have no idea <laughs> <laughs> you were saying earlier about how you think um or what you think of what is going on in the world right now. Yeah, I mean, I've never, ever, ever had any patience for what's going on, you know, for the way the people that control us run things. And I, I, so I suppose I've like been, I've been anti-authority as long as I could, as long as I knew what it was. Uh, you know, I remember seeing a couple of hippies outside the government buildings when I was a kid in Canada and thinking, like, what are they and what are they doing? And, you know, asking my mum, who are these people, what are they doing? You know, and then, and then when she told me, I'm like, yeah, I want to be one of them. You know, like, not necessarily a hippie, but I, I want to be outside of this, you know what I mean? And, I don't, and uh, yeah, when we were kids, we used to go on school trips to Wimbledon and we used to go past Stonehenge at the time when the festival was there and there'd be loads of naked hippies in the field and... And I'd be staring out the window thinking, oh, I want to be in that field with those naked hippies, you know. Like, he's just, it's like, I mean, you know, everybody, everybody who's listening to this knows, you know, you've, you're either with us or you're not with us. And if you're with us, you're not, you're not the slightest bit interested in their world. <laughs> you know, it doesn't offer anything to me and it doesn't offer anything to most people I know. So really, this is what you've done. You've created your own world. Yeah, I wasn't happy with living in there. It's, you know, what they, it's not available. The world. That, I mean, I'm, I'm. I find it absolutely staggering that people have to end up having to pay, like, go to work for thirty-five years or something to pay for a house that doesn't even vaguely resemble what they'd like to live in, and. You know, I just find all this... I've never been able to get my head around it. And it's just... You know, we can build beautiful places for £20,000, you know? Uh, I mean, and that would be more than we've spent on most of them, you know? It's just, it just seems so ludicrous that, that we're all on some treadmill to, to pay for something that's not what we want anyway. And you've, you've been sucker punched left right and center haven't you and drawn into you know paying for a car that you don't want you don't care about you, and, and you're going to be paying for it for the next 12 years or something it's not, 
<laughs> or that maybe you've been made to feel a lot about and it doesn't mean anything at all yeah and somehow deep down it's like i mean i i i went for therapy once you know, like some years back because i was like i couldn't understand why i wasn't interested in the shit that other people were interested in i was like sat in the car in my car and i had a good car because i used to buy smashed up cars and vans and i used to repair them and i quite liked having a a nice car but i liked having a nice car because it didn't cost anything i'd bought it for 400 quid smashed up and fixed it so i had a five thousand pound car but it only cost me one thousand pounds so you know i was i like that i always liked feeling like i'd done all right um but i couldn't i would never have felt good in a car that i paid all the money for that I, I just couldn't get my head around that i never have been able to i'd much rather buy something that's broken and fix it and get the joy and satisfaction of, of bringing something back from the dead and not not creating any waste um i'd much rather do that every time than um you know go out and buy something i can't imagine anything worse than having the money that you could go out and buy a new car because why would you want to do that i mean I'm, i don't go anywhere particularly so for people listening what lessons do you have for them in order to find happiness or to be happier what's worked for you you've, you've really got to do the thing you know you've got to work out what it is you want i mean it doesn't you don't have to work it out you mean just do anything that makes you happy just do to follow your instincts basically and if you come up with an idea you know do it don't convince yourself out of it don't talk yourself out of it and what what we tend to do as a species is you know come up with a really good idea and then talk ourselves out of it and convince ourselves of all the things that could go wrong and what if i mean i hear so much of this but what if but what if but what if they say this what if they come and do that what if they make you take it down what if they what if they do that you know what if somebody says something well, what if it all went really fucking well? That's what I, you know. What if it all went really fucking well? Much better than you expected it to. What if that happened? You know, this is my thing. It doesn't have to be shit. You know what I mean? If you think it's going to be shit, well, there's a, there is another side to that. It could be fucking fantastic. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, I think that's my yeah. That's how I like to try and think. Is like, why wouldn't it work? You know, why can't I get sixty thousand people to give me ten pounds? You know what I mean? I'm fucking sure I can. You know, and I and and as much as anything, I'd like to do it so that other people can think I might do what that fucking idiot did. All he did was ask for it, and everyone gave it him. <laughs> and generally, are you just on a same sort of level of happiness, or have there been things in the last few days that peak and make you feel really happy? Uh, I mean, I have a lot of sadness as well. You know, not not you know, my my son suffers with quite bad depression and things like that and it's it never leaves you you know you're always worrying about them you're always thinking about them you're always it's, it's always in the corner of your mind and everything but you can't let it consume you you know and and so i'll try and find the joy where i can find the joy and you know and then deal with the shit and then go back to find try and find joy again you know and try and introduce them to joy but it's it's not all shit, it's all right. Some some things are all right, you know. I'm surrounded by lovely people, beautiful people doing beautiful things, doing, you know, and like when I'm walking out today and you've got, you know, Dougie and that dressed in XR gear and all that, you know, you think, who lives in a neighbourhood where they get to see this stuff on a daily basis, you know what I mean? Yesterday we had a wedding. It's, you know, these people... You know, they were so, so, so moved. They'd, they'd had some really unfortunate luck, and then they'd, and then they'd got married, and it was a, it was a turning point, and they'd, you know, and they recognised all that in the church. You know what I mean? And you think, how fucking lucky are you to be able to do that? You know?
to create I mean I quite often say I'm in the magic making business but that's that's what I like doing you know I like pulling something together that's just like well that didn't look very likely and he fucking pulled it off you know what I mean or whatever and you know you'll fail sometimes but you know you'll win sometimes too <laughs> 